When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast. It's a Tuesday morning. It's been another busy couple days as uh, Final Four Saturday approaches in college basketball. Of course, as always, Corner 3 is presented by our friends at McDine. What's up, Scott Christopherson? Man, it's uh, I'm just I'm I'm starting to learn what it's like to come out of the, out of the Twitter into the Twitter off season. You know, I'm really adjusting emotionally to not having as many smart ass comments to you know tweet at people. So it's uh, it's been an emotional roller coaster to start the week. I'm kidding. No, I'm doing well, man. No, How are you? You're. I can just tell that you're you're sitting around waiting for opportunities to chirp at people. I told my, you my, I got a bloody nose. You chirped me. My, like my I, thumbs are just like twitching. It's yeah. It's so I, I could just tell, I can tell you are looking <laughs> for everyone that you can talk shit to right now. <laughs> you're the guy who actually after watching the Oscars the other night, I realized that probably should be careful who I smart off to. Well, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You want to, you want to mess with me, man? No. You don't. I look. I my my you. frame is a little built a lot more like Chris Rock than it is Will Smith's. I can tell you that. Well, everybody knows I'm built just like uh, like Will Smith. Uh, yeah. You know, in I'm just I'm glad we have the virtual platform. I don't have to face you face to face with all my you know yeah. all yeah. my chirping I've been doing lately. No kidding. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, we got a lot to cover here today. Obviously, with. Uh, Iowa State season coming to an end Friday night uh, out in Chicago at the United Center. Lost to Miami in the Elite Eight. Uh, of course, we will talk about some of the recent developments. Isaiah Brockington and George Condit announced they're going pro. Trey Jackson uh, enters the transfer portal. Iowa State's going to have some holes to fill on this team. Uh, we don't exactly know how many holes they're going to have to fill, but um, – We'll talk about some of the things that can be priorities for the program here going into the off season. But first things first, let's talk about that game against Miami Friday night. Uh, I think the good thing in my mind is that after kind of the early portion of the game, I don't know that I really ever felt like Iowa state was threatening to make a serious run at it, you know, kind of dug themselves a hole and, uh, it just kind of was what it was. I don't know. And I, yeah, I think- Miami just outplayed them. I mean, they from the yeah. very get-go, they were the more aggressive team, the more assertive team. It was very clear that the game was going to be played on Miami's terms, not on Iowa State's. And unless Iowa State, you know, just had one of those nights where maybe Caleb hits, you know, a bunch of threes or Gabe has a night or something like that, you just didn't have the feeling that that one was going to roll Iowa State's way. 
Um, you know, obviously it's, it's disappointing anytime the season ends. And I thought coming into this game, I like this matchup more than I did the first two games of the tournament, but you know, you take that step back and you realize like, I remember walking in against Kennesaw state to do the game with Brent Bloom. Like if you would have told me I would have been sitting at the United center watching Iowa state playing the sweet 16, I would have thought you're talking about like three years down the road. So, um, all in all, uh, you know, tough game and, and, and give Miami a ton of credit, but you know, I still am proud of the way they fought, uh, in that game and tried to overcome it. It just, they didn't have enough that night. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think they just ran out of gas kind of like, it just, it felt like they had put a lot of energy into getting to that point, you know, and that's fine. Like, obviously, Iowa State has not gone to the second weekend very many times in the program's history. No. It's still it's still year one. Um, I was disappointed, though, man. I was bummed because I, I – this has been a really fun team to, to watch, you know, and to watch them grow. And it was, uh, it was really – I don't know if bittersweet's even the right way to put it. It was just – I think we're going to really miss this group, you yes. know. And I thought that even coming into Monday, uh, you know, Isaiah announces that he's going to move on. George announces he'll move on. Trey Jackson ends up moving on. And it just kind of hit me like early, like late morning, maybe yesterday. Just it's not very fun to watch this team break up, you know. And I just I had a lot of fun with this group. I thought that they were really fun to analyze and probably will go down as one of my favorite teams and that I've ever covered just because you had no expectations whatsoever. They had their glaring deficiencies, but man, they didn't care. They just kept going out and playing and they kept going out and, and trying to do what they could do and leaning into what those things that they really could do that were unorthodox for college basketball in 2022. And I think I'm, I'm going to get in the habit of uh, assigning a team every year, a song, yeah. That I like one of my all time favorite songs and the song that came to mind when I thought about this team, just like the year was my way by Frank Sinatra, which is like one of my all time favorites. And they just did it their way. And they didn't, they didn't apologize for it. They didn't care. And I, I think that that's what's so cool is just to see a team. They didn't like, they just leaned into their imperfections and they tried to take the things that they did do well to minimize those imperfections. And they won a lot of games that we didn't think they were going to win. They made it to the second round of the tournament. And I'm with you, man. Like, you know, obviously it'll be exciting to get into the off season and, you know, see all the moves that happen and, you know, talk about next year, but, you know, teams don't come together like that and lean into things like that. Like that's not something that just happens every year. Maybe it will be under the TJ era, hopefully, but like, it's not something that I take lightly or take for granted. Yeah. And it just, I, that doesn't happen every year no. anywhere. Like you just, no. you don't, you don't get that. And there will be an element where like no team will ever be like that one because that one was the first one, you know? And I think that's probably what, what made him a little bit better too, or a little bit more fun too, is it's, you know, I think as a coach stays longer, they, it's just everything start, doesn't get to start to get stale, but it like, nothing is new anymore. So then, you know, I think about like Iowa state football, 
like, obviously would I rather cover a team with junior and senior year, Brock Purdy and Charlie Kohler and Brees Hall, when they're all play like theoretically should be at their best. Like, yeah, duh. Like, obviously I want to <laughs> cover the team that might be better and that might have an opportunity to go and do something special. But man, I think that there's something really fun about covering the team that you have no expectations for. You go into the year with really no clue about anything with the team. You have no idea anything about anybody. There's no preconceived notions. It's just like, it's, we're going to show up and we're going to play ball and we're going to see what happens, you know? And that's really fun, I think. And just to see how that, those things come together and you start to think like, well, what buttons can you push? Like now, you know, if Gabe Kalsher comes back, we know what Gabe Kalsher is, which like that helps us for making our analysis going into the season. Yep. But I think it also makes it where you go into next year and you and I can't come on here and say, well, okay, well, why doesn't, why don't they try this with Gabe? Why don't they try that with Gabe? It's like, we know what Gabe can do. We don't need to like, we can't come on here and sit and like speculate about all these different kinds of things or like throw these kinds of things out. We know what they can do, you know? Mm-hmm. And there comes a point when you're 22 or 23 years old, you're the player that you're going to be at least at the college level, you know? Yep. And so that's why I think I was disappointed is that it's, it, it just, it takes like, there's so much unknown still out there, but there's also a lot of unknown that like that won't be there. That was what made the team so much fun to be along the ride with. Well, we won't go into next year, hoping to win 10 games and be blessed with 22 wins, you know, and, and in all likelihood, that doesn't happen. Like if you're a coach and you only win two games, there's probably going to be a new coach the next year, no matter who you are. So like, you know, that's never going to, we'll never get a TJ's first year again. And there is something special about like, I know something I'll always look back on from this year is remembering the vibe in Hilton against Oregon state, the second game of the year and talking to fans and everybody's just like, I just hope they play hard. Like, I just hope they compete. And then to watch the fan base kind of like really come back to life and the team, you know, have 22 wins was just such a, I think as a former player who always remembered it being like, even when I played, we stunk a couple of those years, but the fans were like always believed in us and they, they never lost like their spirit and to see everybody get their spirit back for Iowa state men's basketball as a former player was just like a really cool thing to be a part of. And that's what I don't know. I don't know that you even really, and this is not, I'm not criticizing you. Like I'm not. You coming at me again, second day in a row. No, no, no. I'm saying, (laughs) I was going to say, I just because you weren't around these last couple years, man, like it was, it was sad, dude. You know, like it was, it, it it made me, I didn't want to go to Iowa State basketball games. You ever, you ever like have a memory of a, of a playground as like a kid where you have like so many special memories and then you come back and like the basketball hoops taken to the ground and the swing set is, you know, beat to, you know what, that's what I felt like. Like when I showed up, like I couldn't, it was like, what do you mean people aren't having expectations for the basketball team? Like I didn't play in the years with Fred and George where we were just great every year. Like I played when we weren't very good for a couple of years and I never saw not have students running in from the, the rooftop to get down to be at the, the front row of the student section. Like, so it was just so hard to like 
not hard, but it was just so weird and foreign. Like, I felt like I was going back to a neighborhood and the neighborhood had just been beat to shreds. Yeah. Okay. So this actually uh, takes us into what I think is an inter- interesting conversation. Uh, I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why, like why this all happened, you know, and how it got to here to where then we get this team that I think is everyone is going to remember very fondly and will be one of the more special Iowa State teams that a lot of us will ever get to experience. Uh, But I think a lot of it goes back to that 2019 team that they had, the 2018-19 team. There was just something weird about that team, man. Like I, I, three years down the road, I still can't explain it. They were as ta- they were the most talented Iowa State team that I think I've ever covered, top to bottom, of of ability, pure ability as far as basketball, and especially in basketball. You had five guys who have at least been on an NBA roster, I think, uh, and then you had multiple other guys who were big time players, you know, mm-hmm. and pros, like decade long pros, and. Uh, but they never really like fit in with Iowa state. It never seemed like a lot of them embraced Iowa state. They always kind of felt like strangers. You didn't really know them, you know? And when that team lost in the NCAA tournament, it seemed like from there, I don't know that the fan base, like just didn't trust anybody, but like, that's kind of, I feel like almost what it was like, you know, we felt like we'd been tricked by this group of bucket getting mercenaries, you know? that nobody really bought into Iowa state. Nobody was really somebody that you wanted to get to know. Like there were some really good players, but none of them really seemed to connect with Iowa state outside of Tyrese Halberton, who obviously came back for one more year. And that kid was awesome. Uh, But then, you know, Tyrese gets hurt halfway through that next season. He doesn't play out the rest of the year. The pandemic happens. There's nobody that can go to the games the following year. So mm-hmm. it just – it seemed like there was never, like, a recovery from where they had this one team that everybody felt really let down by. And then all of a sudden, you nobody can go to the games or anything like that, and you go 0-19. And, and I think that's, like, what kind of cratered it, you know. But I bring that up because, you know, we were having this conversation yesterday about the transfers after Isaiah had announced he was going to go pro. And I said that if your top tier of uh, – of Iowa State transfers rankings doesn't start with DeAndre Kane, Royce White, uh, Isaiah Brockington, and Mariel Shayok, then your list is shit. You'd have a bad list. And <laughs> uh, because those are the four best. But then I have these people coming and saying to me, like, man, Mariel Shayok is in tier two right below there. And I was like, are you kidding me? Mariel Shayok averaged 19 points a game, was like the, one of the best players in the country that year. <laughs> But it, and I think, but I think all of these things tie together. Like it, I think there are people out there who would probably sit here and say, man, Isaiah Brockington this year was better than Mariel Shayok was in 2019. But if you went back and watched one of those games from that 2019 team, I can tell you right now, he was not better than Mariel Shayok. Mariel Shayok was a bucket and is a dog. Like, and that's nothing against Isaiah, but Mariel Shayok was like, was that nice, you know? And, but I get, I say all that to say like, Isaiah seemed to really buy into being a cyclone and he was like really bought into being that guy to bring Iowa state basketball back. And I think that people are going to remember him more fondly than they remember some of those other guys that have made really big impacts on the program because he just really seemed locked in to being that guy for this team, to being the guy that brought the program back, 
you know, but doesn't that tell you something about why people watch sports and what they look for in sports? You know, I think obviously we all love to have a lot of talent on our team that we cheer for because that improves your, you have to have talent to go far and win games. But I think people love to be inspired by the teams that they cheer for. And I think that's what made this team so special and so cool. And I think that's what made Isaiah so impressive. And I think that's why people will remember him is Isaiah had a bigger impact than 17 and seven or whatever. He finally ended up averaging because he, he led the change on the floor in the culture, the way they approached the game. He made people around him better with his play, but also with how he approached it day in and day out. I mean, you just listen to TJ talk about him for five minutes and tell me that him, that he doesn't think Isaiah Brockington was the perfect player to help restore cyclone basketball. And I think what makes this team so special and the reason people will remember this team, maybe more so than some teams in the past who had more talent is they just were an inspiring group of people to watch and cheer for. I mean, we all in our own personal lives know we have limitations, struggles, things we battle with. And to just watch a team continue to come back and work and work and work and fight through adversity. I think people, when they turn on the TV and watch Iowa State basketball, they want to see a group of guys that are talented, but they want to see a group of guys that realize the star of the program is the Iowa State Cyclones. And I think that this team was just that to a T. And I think that's why they really brought so much joy back to the program, aside from just bringing back success and winning. Yeah. And I think that people from, you know, maybe this is the selfishness of people from Iowa. We want our teams to represent us, you know, like we're every fan base. I, yeah, I really do. Yeah. And that, and that's fair, but I, I just have never felt like, man, you know, five-star recruits and mm-hmm. big time bucket getters and all this kind of, that's, that doesn't represent the state of Iowa in my mind, you know? And I think that's probably part of why that 2019 team doesn't really like resonate with people is it never felt like, you know, they were quote unquote, one of us, you know, and this team, they had their limitations physically, the things that held them back. They had to just be hard workers, you know, they had to be hard workers who were going to put their nose to the grindstone and they're going to wake up every morning at six o'clock in the morning and go to the gym and do their chores and just go to work, you know, which we can all relate to. Right. Yeah. And you we know? can all relate to that. And you can all like, we can all appreciate that. And like, these guys were the, were the college basketball equivalent of farmers have to wake up at five 30 in the morning to do their chores and then go work a full-time job to feed their family, you know? And I think that's pretty badass. Like, I think that's well, and, pretty cool. And I, I think that for the people that can relate to that, you don't want to turn on the television at night after you just worked your butt off all day and watch a bunch of entitled people play me basketball mm-hmm. and get their butts kicked by 20 and underperform. And this was the, this group was the anti that, you know what I mean? And I think, I mean, I've lived in multiple cities and like every place I've lived has its own specific culture. You know, I lived in Chicago when Fred coached the bulls and Fred's a great coach, but he was coming off of Tom Thibodeau being super blue collar. And, you know, Jimmy Butler really responded to that. And Fred like went there and tried to take over and it just, it wasn't the right marriage. It wasn't the right fit. And that's not because Fred's not a great coach. It's just every fan base has their own identity and how they want their teams to be molded and play. 
And I think that, you know, for a lot of us Midwesterners, whether you're from Iowa or from, you know, outside, I'm from a small town in Wisconsin, like you can watch this team and relate to them in many ways when you watch them play and you can be inspired by them. And I just think it's what, it's something that I certainly thought about as the season wore on. All right. How do we feel about Isaiah Brackington's professional prospects? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm not a, a NBA draft uh I don't, I haven't looked at a mock draft in years, so mm-hmm. I don't know where they Since think you were it, looking for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Still looking. Um, I, uh, I think in my personal opinion, if he could find the right, like I think of Wes Matthews. Yeah. I played with him at Marquette. Intangibles were off the charts, six, five strong athletic, wasn't a great three-point shooter coming out of college. Doesn't not saying he couldn't shoot it, but developed and worked into it. And, and to me, if Isaiah is going to make it in the NBA, it would be as like a Wes Matthews type, a three and D guy who can use his strength and athleticism to get out there and fill a role for a team, develop his three-point shooting to the point where he can be a spot-up guy that can knock down shots on a consistent basis. Um, I I'll tell you what, I'll be rooting for him. I mean, am I disappointed? He, you know, am I sad as a fan that he's not coming back? Of course. But can I understand his decision with, you know, you're only get so many years to play where your body is at an elite level. I, I wish him nothing but the best. And I hope whether it's in the NBA, the G league or overseas, I hope he has just a ton of success at whatever he does. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I mean, I think, the biggest things for him over the next several months, he's got to prove he can shoot the three probably a little bit better than what he did during the season. And then he's got to be able to dribble with his right hand to attack with more than one hand. But I, we know the mid range game. We know the defensive ability is there, you know, ability to rebound too. Yep. If nothing else, he'll get a summer league invite and he'll end up on a, with an opportunity to play for a G league team. I would think work your work your way up. think if he wants it like he'll probably get an invite to a training camp somewhere too with yeah. a chance to make a team yeah without a doubt all right uh george condit uh man i'm i'm gonna miss that kid dude i i've been a big fan of george for a long time he is uh obviously a four-year guy we've known each other for a long time now uh realistically i you know who knows what george's opportunities are going to be like with the NBA. I'm sure he could have very similar possibilities, but man, I hope that if he gets an opportunity to go and make six figures playing in Europe or to go play somewhere else and do that, then he can, because it kid, he works hard and he has earned it. I think mm-hmm. has earned the right to go and do that stuff, you know, and uh, I'm going to miss seeing him around a lot. He always really loved Iowa state and had a big smile on his face. And that was what was cool about him. Yeah. You could tell how much, Iowa State meant to him in his, you know, his dad. I, I've never met his dad in person, but I've interacted with him on Twitter. Mr. Condit, if you ever see me at Iowa, at Hilton next year or whenever you come back, please come up and introduce yourself. I would love to meet you in person. Uh, but, you guys need to enjoy a whiskey and a cigar together. Correct. Yes. Uh, I agree with that 100%. We'll throw a record on. Uh, but I, I mean, I think with George, I think he's a guy that is comfortable with what his game is. And when you go and try to play in Europe, that's the biggest part that is hard, I think, for college players to adjust to. I think a lot of guys go over there thinking like, all right, I'm going to be the main guy and 
And that's just not really the, the, the brand of basketball that they play. It's very much like you could play 20 minutes a game and average eight points a game. And if your team wins a championship, like you'd get a huge raise the next year. You know what I mean? So I think because George has always been able to buy into a role, if he's able to keep himself healthy and in shape and go over there and carve a niche out for himself, like no question, he can find a way to make a living playing this game for a while. <clears throat> All right. Without a doubt. And then last one we'll talk about for now, uh, Trey Jackson announces he's going into the transfer portal. Uh, we've talked about it before, I think on here. Uh, I, I think we've talked about it on the podcast. I guess I don't know if we talked about it actually on the podcast or just off the podcast, but I think Trey is going to be a really good mid-major point guard, mm-hmm. you know, and that's nothing against Trey. I just, I thought that the opportunities for him were going to become very limited, uh, especially with those next, this next group of freshmen coming in. It was really hard to see how he fit into the equation you know, and uh, I hope that he gets an opportunity to go, you know, it, it would be awesome if Trey Jackson got to go and play at Murray state for Steve prom. Like that's the kind of thing that would be really cool because, but I just don't know that there was going to be an opportunity for him at Iowa state. Once you add in some of the new guys that they've got coming in with this next group. I was a huge fan of Trey Jackson. Um, all season. Uh, he just always struck me as a very steady and mature kid. And I love the way he played the game where there are times where he got himself into a little trouble with, you know, some careless turnovers. Sure. But um, to, to be that young, to be a young man and have a, a freshman come in and, and just be one of the best freshman point guards we've ever seen at this program. And, you know, take some of your minutes and to be able to handle it the way that he did, I think just speaks to, you know, the kind of young man that he is. And we, you know, you you don't have to watch Trey play that long. Like he is a talented player. Now he's not as talented as Tyrese, but he's still a very talented player. And I think this is the beauty of this new transfer portal is it gives him a chance to go and get what he's looking to get out of his college experience for the last two years without having to kind of disrupt your life for a year and transfer and practice, but not play. I mean, that's a big thing to take on. And I, I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of places that would be lucky to have Trey Jackson come in and be one of their contributing lead guards where he can play a a significant role and get a chance to kind of develop his game and showcase what he can bring to a college basketball team. Absolutely. All right. Let's do uh, a handful of priorities for the program here during the off season. I wrote a couple things down. Um, I mean, I think the first one, of course, is is continuing to develop Tyrese Hunter. Uh, that kid is the cornerstone of everything that you're going to be doing over the next several years. Uh, he needs to continue to grow and continue to improve as a as a point guard. Uh, you know, we've talked about uh, all kinds of random different things that we see to him. You know, just needing to improve on here during the off season. But ball handling, I think, is a big one. Uh, continuing to improve his shot, and then. I think just getting a lot stronger, uh, especially finishing at the rim, being stronger, finishing at the rim. Like those would probably be the three biggest things that I would uh, would point out, at least uh, right now, that he needs to continue to grow on going into the offseason. I agree. I think he is the top – The like going into next year, well, how good can this team be? He will be the biggest piece of determining what that is because – he had a great freshman year, you know, don't want to take anything away from what he accomplished on the court this year. If he can improve his ball handling, 
learn how to use his body. To, he knows how to use his speed to drive the basketball, but you can't always get away with that. Like some of the best drivers aren't really all that fast, but they know how to change speeds. They know how to change angles and they know how to get their shoulder into you and use leverage to drive you to the basket. If he can improve his ball handling, get better at changing speeds and angles and learning how to use his shoulder to move people and then improve his situational awareness, which just comes with experience, he's already going to be a guy that's a first team all league player next year or a mm -hmm. candidate for it. You know, he'll be competing with James Akinjo or somebody like that. If he starts to finish better around the basket and can shoot, let's say 33, 35% from the three point line. Now you're talking about a guy that's got the potential to be a, a first or second team, all American candidate, a guy that literally makes everybody on the, the court better because he can get his and he can get something for everybody else on the court. I think he has that potential. Um, will it happen next year? Will part of it happen next year and the rest of it will happen the third year? I don't know. But that to me is like, like if I'm TJ and this staff, I'm investing so much time and energy with him on the court, but also in the film room of helping find guys for him that he can pattern his game after. Like if I was Tyrese, I would watch a lot of James Akinjo film. He was my favorite player in the big 12 outside of the Cyclones. His game is so mature. He's so smart. His situational awareness is off the charts. He's got it on a string. And that's why he can just get to wherever he wants to go whenever he wants to. Tyrese has more athletic ability than he does. Not as big, but he's more dynamic. That's a guy that I would try to take some things from in this offseason and put into my game going into next year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I think, you know, the, the leap that he can make from freshman to sophomore year is significant, you know, but it just is uh, – it, it takes putting in the work and things like that. You need to make it be a, a sophomore leap rather than a sophomore slump, you know, and, and I think that he will, but it just is, you've got to put the commitment into it. And, you know, I think he needs to spend a lot of time in the film room too, just of dissecting his own game. We know how good of a defender he is. How would you defend yourself? You know, right. and then look at that and say, what would I take advantage of? What are my weaknesses? And then try and work on improving those things. Well, and that's where, when I talk about situational awareness, you know, there's like, like there's, I'll just give an example, right? Kansas state, both Kansas state games in the second half, they start to go into desperation mode and they turn up the heat, right? Like recognizing what's happening, recognizing that we're not able to get into our offense off the pass and get us in getting us into something where we don't turn the ball over three or four consecutive times coming down the stretch in critical moments and he can go make a play off of a ball screen or find some space on the court to go and attack and kind of settle everybody in and get them off of our backs or off of his back. Like that's a something from year one to year two. I want to see him do a better job of recognizing those situations before we make four or five turnovers in a row. Yeah. I'm right there with you. All right. The number two thing that I have on here, who's going to be, the number two scorer for this team right now, obviously we don't know what's going to happen with Gabe Kalsher and, and jazz Koontz. Uh, I will say I would be surprised if they did not come back for another year at Iowa state. 
Uh, is it going to be one of those guys? Is it going to be somebody that you're going to add from the transfer portal? It's hard to really answer that question right now. But, I mean, mm-hmm. they're just losing Isaiah now uh, and assuming that Tyrese is going to make a, a jump. You just have to know, like, who's going to be – Who's going to be that second guy? You know, who are going to be these other guys that are going to kind of solidify themselves as being uh, go-to scorers for this team? So that was number two. Uh, number three, they need a front court talent infusion. That's nothing against George. It's nothing against Robert Jones. They got to get more talented in the front court. They got to get more athletic in the front court. And they, they just don't have the horses right now to be able to keep up with some of these teams. Watch Sam Wardenberg, what, what that guy did for Miami the other night he was on a different plane than anybody on Iowa state's roster. I'm not saying you got to go get somebody like that, but man, if you can get somebody who's six foot nine, six foot 10, six, 11, seven foot, who can knock down a shot from the perimeter, who can protect the rim, who can get up off the floor pretty quick and can go and get you some rebounds. The man, I think that this team has an opportunity to make another considerable jump. That was the thing that held Iowa state's defense back from being like number one in the country. Really good is right. having that guy, who can really protect the rim for you and who can really, really rebound. Yeah. I, I tweeted in the big 12 championship game that when Kansas was playing Texas tech, I was watching that game. And like, if you're a big man in that game, you have to do three things or you couldn't be on the court. You have to be able to switch screens and be able to hold your own moving your feet. You've got to have the strength to move somebody off of the block And you've got to be able to go up at 10 feet and consistently get rebounds. If you can't do those three things, you can't go toe-to-toe night in and night out in the Big 12 with Kansas and Texas Tech and Baylor. And this team needs to add more pieces to the front court that can do that. Like, I love Rob Jones. I think Bob Jones is going to be a, a really good role player for them next year. I think Jazz brings more of a cerebral element to it where he's a little bit more of a finesse for that's fine. I'm, I would be happy to have both of those guys back, but now neither one of those guys are what I just described. So they got to go and get a couple guys that can do that. So that when you play in those style of games, they can't just get the ball up on the rim and just overwhelm you with their strength and athleticism, which is kind of what would happen to us when we would play some of the better teams. Yeah, without a doubt. And it just is, it, I think if you can get a guy too who could stretch the floor a little bit for you, that would be an added bonus. I would be surprised if they don't bring in it at least one front court player. I think in a perfect scenario, you try and bring in two. You know, well, let's not forget about Trey King, who is yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and and I think could be one of those guys. But yeah, I would say two in addition to that. And I think you know, to me, Jazz, if he's going to come back. Like we saw a baseline, I think, of what he can do this year. And I, and I kind of want to talk about this with Caleb and with um, – uh, yeah. name is eluding me right now. Gabe, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Like one of the things that I do think those three guys in particular can do a better job of now that they've been here for a year, they've established themselves, they have to be more consistent making some shots. They don't need to be a guy that shoots eight threes every game and makes three or four of them, but we can't have one game. You make five and then we don't hear from you again for three or four games. And I think that to me, like jazz could be 
a little bit more of a stretch for some of that's getting in the gym and making sure you're shooting the right types of shots in practice and taking that, carrying it over to like uh, your pickup games throughout the summer. But a lot of that is more of a mental, like a mentality shift of like, this team needs this from me and I need to look for it a little bit more. And I think that that's something that whether it's jazz or they go and bring in another guy to compliment what jazz does that can do that. I'm with you. I think that that needs to be an added piece going into next year because it just changes the way teams guard you when you have a four or five man that can rebound the basketball and also make shots and you have to respect them out on the perimeter. It just makes, it makes, it makes guarding you a lot more difficult. Well, it's funny that you uh, say all of that because number four was uh, consistent shooting help. So yeah. that quite literally was going to be the next thing that I was going to say, but I, I I'm right there with you, man. It just is really hard to be. It's really hard to have any idea what your team is going to be on a given night when you just, you don't have any consistency from your shooting, you know, and I, I would be really surprised if there's not a significant amount of pressure or not pressure, but a lot of attention put towards that in the transfer portal, as well as finding guys who are proven shot makers, you know, like that. I think that that is really key. And it's not, you know, they're just, even those guys they brought in last year, not many of them were proven shot makers when they went and recruited them, you know, and uh, you know, you'd seen Gabe make some shots for Minnesota. Isaiah had been all right for Penn state. Caleb's had been all right for UNLV and had not been a shot maker at first time around at Iowa state. It's like, man, they need to go and get some guys. It's like, we know that this guy is going to show up and be a 38% three point shooter or better. You know, and, and there's like no question about it. It's like this guy is going to be able to shoot the basketball. Well, and, and as a guard, excuse me, um, you have to be able to shoot at least 33% from the three-point line. You have to be able to put the ball on the floor for three dribbles and either make a play for yourself or create a long closeout for someone else, and you have to be able to guard. So for like Gabe and Caleb – I don't know off the top of my head what they finished the year shooting at, but I can just say that when it comes to consistent shooting and making plays off the bounce, I think we saw things we liked from them at times. It just wasn't as consistent as I think we would like. I think it's attainable for them to go into this offseason and say, by the time we roll out the balls next year and play our first game, I'm going to have those things checked. Like I'm going to be able to put the ball on the floor for two or three dribbles. I'm going to, I'm going to come in and I'm going to shoot a 33, 35% or better. And, and we're going to guard because again, you, you watch the better teams in this league play. You just don't see many guards in those games that don't check those boxes. Cause if you can't do those things to some, I mean, I'm not saying you got to be like a, a great slasher or just like a dynamite three point shooter, but if you don't have to be respected in some of those departments, it just, the other team can kind of cheat on defense against you. And it, and it, it, it'll completely disrupt what you are trying to run. And so finding more guys in the portal, maybe that can do that. But I also am a big believer in developing the talent that you currently have. And I see no reason that those two guys can't take and have a, a good off season and make strides next year in those categories. Yeah, Gabe finished the season shooting 24% from three, and Caleb shot 35%. So, I mean, I think if you're looking at Caleb, it's 40%, you know? I think that would be the goal. 
40% probably being able to put the ball on the floor for a bounce or two. And, yes. and, and like I said, you don't have to get all the way and, 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 and punch one on somebody, but either being able to like shot fake one dribble, pull up shot fake one or two dribbles, create a long closeout for another guard. <clears throat> it would help a lot. It takes pressure off of Tyrese. It takes pressure off of your other playmakers. If you have complementary players, who can also do a little bit of do a little bit outside of their like little niche. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think with his strength and ability and size that that's outside of the possibility of what he could develop this off season. All right. Then the last one that I had on here, freshmen, uh, adding these freshmen into the fold, what can those guys give you in their, their first year? Uh, man, I mean, I think it's going to be really fun to see what Tyrese Hunter and Taman Lipsy can look like next to each other uh, with some of the things that they both bring, both really solid defenders, really high-level playmakers. Uh, I think anybody who saw the video of Eli King over the weekend is excited about whatever that kid can bring to the fold. I mean, I've watched that video about 6,000 times. I still don't understand how he was able to go from basically walking the ball down the floor to having his nuts on some kid's head uh, <laughs> like I it it just doesn't seem physically possible uh and then Demarion Watson is going to be a really good player too who's, who's, like, don't you have to say earmuffs before you say that earmuffs uh, I, didn't, I didn't swear I'm kidding yeah hey I don't know man don't get don't let the guy put his nuts on your head if you don't want me to come oh, out here and call you out. Like, I don't know. What do you want me to do? Like, it made I'm, me laugh. It was, uh, you know, old school, right? Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Man. Yes, I know old school. Um, yeah, I, I, when it comes to freshmen, that's always hard because obviously these guys were really good players uh, coming out of high school. And some of, you know, like just having gone through five years of college hoops, like some freshmen come out and they're very talented, but it just takes them a year to kind of get their bearings under them, get their confidence back and find themselves in the college game. And then some guys come in like Tyrese did and they just, they have that swagger from day one and they just take it all in stride. You won't know that about those three guys until you get them on campus. And you really won't know about it until you get them into like a hostile environment in a game next year obviously if you can find some some juice from a freshman early on in his career that's always welcome but if I'm coaching and I'm building a roster I'm always erring more on the side of caution of it might take him a half of a season or three quarters of a season it took me a year and a half um so I don't say that to kind of like poke fun at young players it's just more it just takes some time sometimes so we'll, we'll have to see how that all shakes out but I saw the Eli King dunk too uh, you know, he's clearly uh, a high level athlete. And then I've seen some of the highlights of the other two recruits. And I mean, they belong. I don't think there's any question about that. When you, you know, watch some of their highlights, it's just how quickly can you find your niche in the college game? Absolutely. All right, buddy, man, that concludes your first, uh, your first season uh, of, on it. Of, uh, of Iowa State basketball. How, all right, exit interview. How did we do? Did, did you have fun? I had a blast, man. I, I uh, no, it was it's so much fun. And I, I look forward to kind of continuing this into the off season and, and talking about different things and trying to get, we got to get, we got to get Eddie Lampkin on yes. the show. I'm telling you, Jared and I, we text back and forth often. This is, this has got to happen. This if, if we get one thing done this off season, Eddie Lampkin has got to get on the show with us. Yes, we need Eddie Lampkin. Uh, we've talked about all kinds of different guys. Uh, we've talked about getting some of your former teammates 
on the show. Yeah. I, th- I think we can have, we're going to have some fun stuff during the off season. Yes. And I, you know, we've talked about some other kinds of things that we're maybe going to, uh, going to look into Chris and I have been having some conversations. I think we're going to have a really fun off season, you know, I agree. and it's, uh, a celebration of, you know, obviously Iowa State basketball. We love Iowa State basketball. I think that we're going to have fun just talking about the Big 12, too, and following all these other programs and seeing how they work through the offseason as well. So, uh, But, yes, Eddie Lampkin has to be priority number one. Uh, if I can make it happen, I am going to get Scott Drew on here as well because I want to talk to Coach Drew. I yeah, no, I That would be I a agree. lot of fun as well. All right. All right, man. Well, I guess I'll, uh, I'll talk to you next week. And we'll, uh, good, we'll see what happens. We'll talk to everybody again soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of Corner 3. Thanks for listening all season long. Peace.